It's a real pleasure to see many regular spaces and some new ones for the opening of the conversation series. And uh, I think before I begin running you to what you can expect for the next three afternoons that uh, we will spend together, it is uh, very important for me to thank uh, a woman whose drive, brilliance, and determination continue to impress me each day and each time we add a stone to the edifice of 154. I'm talking about Turia, who's uh, my soul sister, my partner in crime. She's back there. That's her. <laughs> and uh, the person who has the real energy, because without her, I wouldn't be doing this. And actually, when, she, when we met in, I think, in early 2012, and she, she uh, presented this uh, idea of the fair to me, I was like, are you crazy? Uh, <laughs> And, but I realized that uh, craziness is, uh, is very conducive to great projects. So uh, thank you very much, Turia, for, for, for this. And uh, I also would like to thank uh, someone who's not here today because I'm not seeing her, who has been a constant collaborator uh, on forum over the past five, I mean the past eight edition because we have to count uh, New York also. So uh, we've done three editions in New York and five in, in, uh, in London. Is uh, Gabriella Beckhurst, uh, my dearly beloved curatorial assistant, who left us this year to start a new venture in her life. She's, uh, uh, she enrolled for a PhD. So uh, thank you very much, Gabriella. Gabriella is now. The success of Gabriella is uh, Kefilo, Kefilo Esisiwa, who will be now the, the new uh, curatorial assistant uh, to Forum. So um, it is very, I don't exactly know where to bring this in, but I think I would just start by saying that you all know by now that Forum is uh, my very precious baby. And uh, I only accepted to be part of this incredible adventure of 154 for the guarantee that we can have this space for debate, exchange, reflection, contestation, sharing, and uh, discursive celebration of what artistic practice provides us with. Namely, it is a framework of proposition, a ground for imagination and a context for the conception of new knowledges and the application of established ones. I've always conceived Forum as not another art fair talks but rather as a comprehensive symposium that aims at unpacking subjects pertaining to the urgencies and conditions of the curatorial, of the critical, of the artistic, and as well as the interplay of these determining domains of artistic cooperation. 
The supremacy of Euro-America and its domination of the conversation around art has produced a situation that I consider where almost everything is fought, produced, presented, preserved, contested in relation to that Euro-American narrative. The forms of and practices of engaging with the curatorial, the critical, and the artistic, however, demand inquiries that expand those limitations. I attended, an, an, I attended a very insightful event earlier this year where artist Wangechi Mutu addressed this very same matter by simply saying that we need to complicate the narrative. So when we launched the first edition of 154 in 2013, Angola has just won the Golden Lion for Best Pavilion at the Venice Biennial in their very first participation as a country and also as one of the first African countries to be given that honor. Tate Modern had just launched its multi-layered multi Africa initiative through the establishment of a specific acquisition committee for African art, as well as endowed positions in the curatorial team. The landscape on the continent was not quieter. Independent spaces were bridging the gap of the public and the private as a means to assert an agency on the artistic and on the curatorial. For the fifth edition of the talk series, Forum convenes you around the title of The Conversationist. What does it mean to be a conversationist? We would like to interrogate the role of educational programs, that the role that edu educational programs play in producing and sustaining an economy, an economy of knowledge. Throughout the next three afternoons, we will look at how institutional critique is performed and actioned and across a range of cultural platforms and formats. Looking to invitational and self-directed modes of artistic production, the program further aims to consider how discursive markers are constructed in relation to critical reception and notions of agency. In order to attend to a range of strategies and perspectives, the program takes shape as a series of intergenerational and cross-disciplinary conversations. Crucially, the program aims to evaluate how the margins and centers for cultural exchange continue to be constituted and reconstituted, particularly by and for and communities of non-Western backgrounds. Taking the last five years as a barometer for how structures of critique in cultural arenas have shifted. Where five years echoes the lifespan of the art fair and forum and thus poses a timely pause for reflection. It also moves to recognize the perceptual shifts toward Africa and the African diaspora as a geography and topic within the art sector, which has expanded in public consciousness since the early 2000s. 
where the first forum was seen to arrive amidst a particular moment or momentum, if you like, in relation to the regained awareness? How have, how have the stakes of conversation since moved on and or evolved? To consider these moments alongside another, Forum has identified two guiding questions to push beyond their remit and potential uh, limitations. How to continue to engage with Africa and the African diaspora as a topography or sensibility within the context of an international narrative? And who are the agents of critique? And how are shifts in knowledge and cultural production being actioned and narrated? We will hear from a range of, persp of perspectives and voices to situate and expand both the role and access to the expression of critique. Contributions are made from individuals working across the visual and, perform the visual and performing arts, education, writing, institutions, publishing, and of course of the curatorial. To consider how practitioners are actively and radically reconstituting the canon. Each and every speaker in this year's program are professionals that I deeply admire for their contribution to complicating the narrative. It is therefore an enormous pleasure for me to introduce our first panel that will discuss exactly the notion of the after. What is the after? And what occurs in this implicit posterior phase? The opening panel addresses reverberations of the so-called African art boom, whatever that means in an effort to examine how to continue to engage with Africa as a subject, terrain, or sensibility within the context of an international narrative and in a manner that prioritizes the development of Africa and diaspora-centered discourse. It is a tremendous pleasure for me to welcome back my sister and partner in crime, Elvira Jangani Oze, lecturer in the Department of Visual Arts Cultures at Goldsmith and senior curator of Creative Time. I will not run you through the immense, uh, beautiful bio of uh, Elvira. Elvira is a rock star, so everybody knows her. <laughs> Along first-time forum speakers as Sepake Angiama, a woman I deeply admire as well, and whose work have been exposed to just recently, I actually known about it, but never really had the, the pleasure and the opportunity to interact with her. Sepaka is head of education for Documenta 14, where she works to create an integrated approach to education, exhibition making, and public programming. Previously, she was the head of education for the International Manifesta Foundation, and is currently also one of the members of the Consortium for the Danish Pavilion in Venice. As a curator and educator, Sepake's interest lies in discursive practices, the social framework, and how we shape and form our experience in understanding the world. 
This has inspired her to work with artists who disrupt or provoke aspects of the social sphere through action, design, dance, and architecture. She is the initiator of Under the Mango Tree, sites of learning in cooperation with IFA, with, which gathers artist-led project spaces, libraries, and schools interested in unfolding discourses around radical education practices that destabilize the European canon. I like that so much. As well as questions, question notion, uh, questioning notions of unlearning, shifting ecologies, and indigenous knowledge. As I introduce you, please, my dear colleagues, come over. To the to the panel, <laughs> and Elvira. It is a great pleasure to also have with us in this panel Melanie Keane. Melanie is director of an institution that has fundamentally worked over the past over 20 years in complicating the narrative. Melanie is the director of INIVA, Institute, Institute of International Visual Arts, a visual arts organization dedicated to developing an artistic program that reflects on the social and political impact of globalization. She has worked as an independent curator and consultant in a career that spans over 20 years. Her curatorial projects include figures of speech for film and, and video umbrella, Oscar Munoz, mirror image for Iniva, A Better Place with Erika Tan and Melissa Bliss for the Bau Festival. She was a curator at Iniva from 1997 to 2003 and projects include Yinka Shonimbari's Diary of the Victorian Dandy and Simon Tegala's Anabiosis. More recently, Melanie has participated in conferences including the March meeting in 2016, Sharjah Foundation, and curating the International Diaspora at the Asia Cultural Center in Guangzhou, South Korea. She is a co-curator of the exhibition of new work by Keith Piper, entitled Unearthing the Banker's Bones, in collaboration with Blue Coat Liverpool currently on show at New Art Exchange in Nottingham. Please welcome Melanie. We could not have invited a better moderator for this <laughs> panel. Better than George Shiri wouldn't have been possible. George Shiri is cultural theorist and historian of ideas, who, and he has engaged with questions of knowledge from the global south since ever, with visual culture and decolonization as a focus, and with tracking the histories of art education in southern Africa. He is a member of the Norwegian Artistic Research Forum and associate professor in the Department of Art of Fine Art at the Bergen Academy of Arts, a member of another roadmap, Africa Cluster in Art Education, and an editorial board member of the Journals of Politics and Culture, Soundings and Dark Matter. For over a period of 35 years, 
He previously taught at Richmond upon Thames, the Open University, Central St. Martin School of Art, and the University of London. He has lectured and performed internationally, and his recent performance lectures have included the Sao Paulo Biennial, the Art Search Symposium in Johannesburg, the public program of the 10th Berlin Biennial, and the International Conference of African Cultures in Arari. Thank you so much, George, for being the MC. So, it's your turn. Thank you. Thank you very much for your attention. Thank you, Corey. <clears throat> Can you hear me? Great. Um, it's a, it's a, it's a pleasure, yeah? uh, a joy, to be asked to, to do this moment, like a jazz piece. I, I, I have been coming to these, to these soirees, if you like, from the beginning, and it's been an ongoing, complicating conversation, from the beginning. I, I, I still think. We are in the beginning of it. In the beginning as an emergent. That is to say, we don't not yet, not yet know which way it might turn. And I thought in doing to set the scene going, I would say a couple of things about the after, in one sense, adjectively and substantively. And in the second, say something about the educational turn as a way of uh, triggering a very, very complicated conversation I'm looking forward to. The first uh, note in a jazz piece, I would say, is the word aftermath, after. Uh, those of you who are of an English kind, who like English studies, we know that word aftermath, the after the harvest. You know, after the harvest, there is this sort of like a new germinating emerging. That is the math, the aftermath. I want you to think of the after in that way, the beginning of something, not the after in the past, yes? I want you to think of the after in the way teleologically that word works, the aftermath, yes? Hang on to that, to the aftermath. Remember the after party at the beginning of this gig, at the beginning of this, that was the other after. Yeah? It's interesting that after began at the beginning of this, of this event another way of thinking of the after. So the after is not necessarily what comes after in that literary sense. It is a way of periodizing in one sense. It's also a way of kind of holding on to that which we don't yet know. Okay, um, <clears throat> let, me, let me put some bones to that a little bit. We are, after all, talking from the site of the materiality of the African continent. And I say that deliberately, because I want to use that as a figure of the last frontier of capitalism on our planet. I want to think of it as, the, as the, what will become, the precariety of it will become the major event of the 21st century. And I want to say something, I want us to think about what that means to the space of the visual to which we're trying to talk about. And I want then to get into the question of the critique and criticism and its performance through that optic, through the, through the th sonically, optically, through that signing of the African continent. And now, and there's a kind of, <laughs> I say to a number of people as I was walking through the gallery spaces and saying, 
what is the Africa in some of this work? Or what is the contemporary in some of this work? I don't want to sit here and tell you I've, uh, I know the answer to that, but I do want to insist on putting that question on the table to enable us to have a dance, yes? So <clears throat> the after we're thinking about is in relation to what next in that sense, but also as a way of uh, figuring, putting into place a critique, now, critique and criticism and its performance are a tricky affair. And they're a tricky affair in a number of ways, in a sense that uh, one of the things I love about teaching is I feel like I'm on Broadway. I'm already in performance, okay? <laughs> I feel like I am already there. Okay? I don't know how to do anything else. I know how to be, I treat the world like a seminar room. You see, it is a performance in that way. But what kind of a performance is it? Is it the preacher's performance or another? Is it a lover's discourse or not? Or is it all those things? Yeah? It is a performance in which, is, which, which denies its power and placing. Yeah? It is not as neutral as it suggests it is. It is very seductive. It lures you in, and yet at the same time it swallows you whole. Performance is tricky in that sense. So the performance of critique is in itself something that we also need to pay attention to. Why? Because then we're able to identify the I that speaks. Who speaks? Who writes? Who performs critique? Okay. <clears throat> um, uh, 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 people would have been familiar with the, the Rhodes, uh, Fizz Must Fall campaign in Southern Africa, or the Black Lives Matter. Why is my curriculum white? Yes, it's, it's the same. Why is my curriculum whatever? You know, it's the same question is, is rumbling in that story about the performativity of critique. It is not simply a question of numbers of people in the room. It is both those things. Yes? It, is, it, it refuses, it, one wants to de-epidermalize it, you know, boring for none. He wants to de-epidermalize it, and yet at the same time pay attention to persistence of the presence of the dark body onto it. Okay, <clears throat> so the after then, the after then is both <coughs> a way of hanging on to a period, yes, and at the same time, a way of making sense of meaning, of generating meaning. If it is about in time, if I can put a timeline to it, it is something to do with post-independence, but not about post-independence. It is something to do with after liberation, but not to do with liberation. It's something to do with an emergent that is taking place in time and place in relation to our neoliberal times. We cannot talk about this without also paying attention to the miseries that are brought on our world, on our planet, in a search to find a way of cohabiting the same space together. So those are the kinds of things that I want to juggle in the jazz piece about the after. Let me turn to education. The production making of an art intelligence here is a serious affair. And, the, and it's, a, it's, a, it's a really serious, because part of it, it is the journey through which, if you like, Africa, the conduit through Africa becomes Europe. You know, it becomes, it comes back. You think you've liberated yourself only to find you are back there in, in, a, in a Andy Warhol's nightmare. You know, you're already there. And not because of, of the, the making of that intelligence. So we need to put, put it under, and under the microscope, the very making of. Now, I, I don't know, I don't make anything. I don't know how to make stuff. I think I, I, I'm interested in, in exchanging ideas with people who make. 
And what they do with it is something else. And something, something, what are these ideas then that I want to exchange with? Well, some of that is to do with what I've just been talking about, which is paying attention to our history. <clears throat> and what's going on in the education scene is on one hand is the crisis of institutions, the end of the humanity, some people have said, or the, the, the educational turn to the gallery, so to speak. But in a sense, if you look at the last five years, what's the last five years of this conversation, none of this kind of debates, of this critique, of this nature, is taking place in the academy or in the art schools and so on. And you have to ask yourself, why is that? So there's a kind of double edge. One is you know, hanging on to this disappearing space, yes? this excitement, and at the same time knowing it's not taking place anywhere else at all. So it's a kind of double bind about what is to be done in the Leninist sense. So the turn to education is in one part about that struggle but it's also about the, 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 the knowledges themselves. Yeah? The, the knowledges themselves. Now, the whole point about decoloniality is to, is to dethrone the critique of judgment. You know, those of, I was an aesthetic student once, and I used to read philosophy like, like the Bible, and I remember the first time I first encountered the critique of judgment, I thought, my God, only to discover <laughs> I wasn't the beautiful. You know, I wasn't the sublime. And I went insane because and I'm tired of that. But at the same time, sometimes I find I, find I cannot say something about the aesthetic without... A conversation. It's an unfinished argument I have with, with, uh, with, with, with Kant, but it's not one I want to prioritize. I love the possibility of doing a seminar in which it's only got Sylvia Wimser, Hortense Spillers, and Coyle as the reading material. <laughs> yeah? I, I would love that moment. It's a hermeneutic session in which those are the only three people you read. So I want to shift the discussion away from the gods into these other bits about what the education is. Two things I'm saying. One is the nature of the curriculum, the, the organization of learning, the things you put into room, how it's connected to the wider public or polity. Now, on the African continent, increasingly, there is no such thing as a public anymore. One of the things I do is to travel all over the place, and I've been doing some work with people in Uganda. There is not a single public education from institution in that country, from primary to university. Everything is private. And that means those institutions, even if they are producing fantastic work, there is no relationship between them and people, and ordinary people. And, and I'm not saying that is peculiar of Uganda. It's right across the continent. And it's right across, increasingly increasing. Why it's happening is because neoliberalism is rehearsed there. It's only come to haunt you today. It's, it, some of us have already experienced it. We know it too much. Believe me, I'm warning you. Welcome to that world, but it's a dangerous disease. So, so something is going on about the disappearance of space and sites and the creation of it. So those are, those are the introductory remarks I want to make about those two. Okay. And then unleash it to this wonderful, amazing jazz musicians on the ensemble. Yeah? Um, and I really thought they might just start in that way, the way in which they're sitting next to me. Okay. okay. And, uh, and Melanie well, is looking at me. But I, 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 can go first. I, 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 I,
somehow forced me to change a little bit my argument. <laughs> so I'm going to improvise and Great. you know jam a little bit, right. um, as you suggested. <laughs> so I I wanted to well first of all thank you so much to Koyo. It's uh, excited to be here. I don't know if it's official that this is your last forum, and I don't know if maybe you have said it. Uh, and I want to acknowledge that, and I want to thank you because. Um, in a way, when we were talking on the phone to organize this first panel, uh, you said to me, you know, you said something the first year that I think have been haunting me for a while, and is the task that we need to do for the future. And at the time, I was saying that, of course, I had joined Hey, There was so much excitement about this fair. There was so many um, attention to the fact that 2015 was there. And, and in a way, I'm happy that there was no Africa 2015. Sorry, somebody was expecting it and it was disappointed. But in a way, I was, I said, I was happy because that would have made that event the momentum. And I think what we're living now, sort of like trying to go to uh, the sense of aftermath that you were trying to convey, um, I think we are still living that momentum and hopefully that will keep us going for a long while. Um, in order to, uh, to somehow... Uh, argue for that momentum, no, for the flexibility of that momentum, for the intensity of that momentum to prevail, I thought in two magnificent, of course, as they are, uh, thinkers that I have been uh, reading for quite some time, but also gone back recently. And one was, of course, uh, Stuart Hall, who in, um, in his essay, uh, the... Sorry, I'm trying to remember the title because I'm terrible with this thing. Let me see if I can find the title. Exactly, it's Museums of Modern Art and the End of History. I'm going to reference that. You're going to reference it? <laughs> you, we are in Cincinnati. This, this, this is when you make music. This is, yeah. this is what you see. You, you should have gone first, <laughs> I tell you. Um, no, but I think it's important the reflection that he does in terms of the, um, that, uh, the notion of after mm -hmm. or what he say. Um, the notion of, of post, right? Mm -hmm. And he said, post me to me, and I'm going to uh, uh, read it because I think it's, it's also important for us since mm -hmm. you're going to use it as well. Um, I hope it's not too long. Mm -hmm. You were about to use it as well? <laughs> 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 plenty to go around. <laughs> exactly. But I think it's important because somehow it, 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 I, I could hear it in what you were saying, and I think it's very clear here, and I think we need to set at that meaningful uh, uh, nuance he provides for post, right. because then uh, we will understand how uh, this momentum can be extended even longer, right? Uh, so he says, after talking about many things, I want to tell you what post means to me. I do not use the term to mean after in a sequential or chronological sense, as I thought one phase or epoch or set of practices has ended. And I'm absolutely new one, uh, and a new, an absolutely new one, a new phase uh, is beginning. Pause for me refers to the aftermath, the afterflow of a particular configuration, the impetus which constituted one particular historical or aesthetic moment, moment disintegrates in the form in which we know it. Many of those impulses are resumed or reconvened in a new terrain and context, eroding some of the boundaries which made our occupation of an earlier moment seem relatively clear, well-bounded and easy to inhabit, and opening in their, new, new, in their place new gaps and new interstices. 
So in that sense, it is clear that what we are facing here is the capacity to see clearly that we were coming from perhaps a moment of obscurity, if you want, to a clearer one in which there is a stage, let's say in the city of London, uh, in Europe, in the world, of course in Africa, this was happening before anybody can even notice it, but we know that, the, the ones that uh, practice um, curatorial education and other uh, in the field. Uh, but what is clear, I think, is the fact that this, is ha this has to do with something that already started, that had changed within itself, and is pro producing this relatively clear, easy to inhabit uh, space in which new interstices, new gap, new questions can be raised. And, and the second uh, paradigm in terms of the after was um, uh, mentioned by Achille Mbembe in his presentation at the conference at the Tate. Uh, I don't remember exactly the date. I will have to look at it, which is um, 20, 2010, right? Uh, a conference entitled After Postcolonialism, Trans Transnationalism or Essentialism, in which Mbembe interrogates the meaning of the term um, after postcolonialism. And I want to use it because I think it's important in terms of what we are trying to build uh, now. So one is that moment that we say that disintegrates within the moment, and, and the second will be this. And Bembe explored, and I'm paraphrasing, some of the reasons behind the current rush to declare the end of postcolonialism and its possible aftermath, if we are to assume that postcolonialism has uh, passed. If so, he points out, one has to be aware of the heritage it is left behind, and to what extent this heritage still dictates how we should think about our life, how we should act, and how we should ambition our future, since the word of culture has somewhat to do with the capacity to imagining the future with futurity. And this sense of futurity, I think, has to remain as part of the potential that we incorporate to the relationship that we establish and to moving forward, right? What it means for us this after, this post, this aftermath to follow your cue, is that once we have entered Astor Hall, says, in, in a new beginning within the phase that we were before, much clearer, but it's, uh, again open to new interstices and new gap, new questions, new queries. And at the same time, we do, is, we do so envisioning our future, right? Thinking in the capacity we have to imagine, thinking about the potential of if Futurity. And this will be perhaps the conceptual aspect of that after. Then will be the practical aspect. I don't know if you want me to go for the practical aspect, or since you uh, said that you wanted to say something about Stuart Hall, you want to continue? Or you? No, no, it's fine. I think you, you should on. continue. <laughs> sorry, sorry? You can rock on. Okay. <laughs> no, so then um, I wanted to turn to some of the things that you have said in order to sort of like put these, things, these two things together, right? And one was a sense of publicness. Uh, I think what is important, and, and, I, and, I, and I think it was discussed also uh, in that first panel, what we, what we need to do now is transform this knowledge that has been produced. You talk about the educational turn in curatorial. You talk about uh, the public institution. I think that you're right in one sense. There is, of course, uh, a certain lack of, of, of local public education, but I, will, I disagree with you in the fact that it's spread out. I think there are forms of uh, public education that exist, whether they are good or not, it's another story, uh, but exist, mm -hmm. right? And then we also have 
hybrid forms in which we have uh, not only private, uh, but also other forms of, of knowledge production that try to work to produce meaning collectively. And also together with that, we have other uh, uh, forms of traditional knowledge. Uh, you mentioned um, uh, the sublime. There are many ways in which Senghor, uh, in the fabulous book that I recommend to everyone, uh, Suleiman Bashir Diang uh, uh, presented art as philosophy, where you can see clearly how certain forms of knowledge reach the sublime and are embedded in the traditional uh, production of knowledge. And, and perhaps my only thing will be, because this is on the side of uh, publicness in relation to uh, the continent, but in relation to what it can be done here to be practical, to be clear that these two moments, that these thinking about uh, imagining our future or thinking about how you know, a, a previous moment had been embedded in the new, um, I think there is, a, there is a moment to call for a, a little bit more of sophistication when we address Africa. Right? Uh, we already have done all the multiple, uh, and I'm not going to get into the debate. Please, let's try for the next three days not to debate on what Africa is. Right. Because otherwise it's going to be a nightmare, and everybody's going to. No, I, I say this very seriously, right? I say this very, very seriously. So if you see somebody that haven't been in this panel, don't ask that question, right? I think it's very important because we have arrived to a level in which that is clear for many people, and everybody else just need to catch up. We cannot, we cannot wait for you. I'm sorry. You, you understand what I mean. I mean, I, I, I think, let's, let's put it this way. I think Africa is that something that resists interpretation, that intrigues us, right? That is still in evolution. So let's not try to define it because we're gonna get trapped. And I think we need a little bit more of sophistication in which when, when, when we address certain issues. And it has to do with um, addressing, for instance, uh, more monographic exhibition. There was a conference recently about modernism in Nigeria that I applaud. I think there is, there is a need for, uh, to focus on a specific context, artists, movements, right? There is a moment to start to do that. I'm not saying that this hasn't been done. There is many people that have been working on that for decades, right? What we need is a platform for the scenes to be realized because the other platform already exists, right? We have 154 that will continue, hopefully, without Mrs. Koyoko here. <laughs> um, and many other platforms that I'm very excited and very proud of being, of being connected to somehow or none, right? And, and I think for me that, that I'll, I'll stop it here and then we can continue with the conversation. But I think, as I said, I, I think the practical issue is to start claiming for a different address. Um, Judy did so beautifully within the sector of education, uh, other curators I document. I think they have addressed in a much more sophisticated way what it means to engage with the production and the agents of production of the continent. And that's what I think we should, we should be the, the way we envision the future. And, and with futurity. Thank you. Thank you. Um, Thank you. Do you want to Shall I go? Yes. pick it up from there? Yes. Um, so I've got, I've got um, un, so I'm not going to kind of jam. Mm -hmm. I've got my hymn sheet, and I'm going I'm to sing from it. Um, and I've also got some slides as well. Um, but I wanted to thank Hoyo for the fabulous introduction and the invitation. Um, and also to Elvira for, for reminding us, you know, not to break down what 
what Africa is. And actually, I think by everything we say here, just it tends to unnecessarily complicates what that construct is. Mm -hmm. And so I hope that in my, uh, my paper here, which in part I'm going to read out, kind of plays into a bit of that. Um, right, I'm going to see if I can find my... So this is um, a collection of thoughts on the idea of the after, which has been spoken about so eloquently by George and Elvira, but it relates specifically to um, Innova's recent public programme. Um, I'm just going to pause it for a bit. Um, so the part that I was interested in Stuart Hall's essay was that he actually inverted his title. So the title was The Museum of Modern Art and the End of History. And it was from a keynote paper um, that he gave at Tate in 1999 and then reproduced by Innova in a publication in 2001. So this inversion, which he suggests, um, he says that we could learn a great deal by calling it the end of the museums of modern art and the beginnings of history. And he complicates that by saying he's less interested in the ideas of endings, as Vera has pointed to, and he's more interested in the idea of turns. So in keeping with some of this thinking, um, the after does suggest a necessary rupture in the time-space continuum. What is at, at stake in revisiting the after? Will memory fail us and amnesia take hold? Will we arrive in a dangerous space, which speaks to the discourse of exclusion? So the slides that you're going to see now, you're seeing some of them already, they represent two moments in Innova's recent programme history, which are episodic in their nature and try to look at this question of the after across a number of generations of artists. So both episodes are deeply connected to Innova's Stuart Hall Library. It's our specialist art collection, which focuses on the art of folk from Africa, Asian, Latin American um, diasporas. So these slides that you're seeing here, which is the first episode, focus, focus on the study day of the work of Labena Himid. And it was presented in collaboration with Black Artists and Modernism, which is a, a research project which is taking place across two universities, and it's led by Sonia Boyce and a team of researchers. The second episode is a public programme that Innova was invited to devise for South London Gallery's exhibition, The Places Here, which was a survey show of black British artists from the 1980s. So episode one, looking behind in order to look ahead. So looking in the wing mirror, things appear closer than they seem. Proximity to the past is critical. Sometimes the past must be reconciled, then abandoned and dispensed with to make sense of the present. And if we are marking time, because that seems to be what we're talking about here, the idea of revisitation, and in the case of a generation of British artists of African and Asian descent who emerged in the 1980s, we have to recognise that since 2013, a very bright spotlight has been shone on those artists who have hitherto been cloaked in darkness. However, the spotlight does flicker precariously. So this was the first event we held in collaboration with BAM. Um, uh, as I said, it was a study day on the artist Labena Himid. And the aim of the day was to generate new readings of the artist's work and invite personal responses from a range of perspectives and inspire continuing dialogue. One of the main premises of the BAM project is that the work of black artists is often reduced by sociological or biographical reading, readings. 
where there's focus on the artist's ethnicity and identity rather than a critical consideration of their practice and the aesthetic and material qualities of their work. In the case of Labena Himid, this study day was an opportunity to gain a deeper understanding of her practice as a contemporary living artist rather than inhabit a space which lingered in the overdetermined, albeit important, era of the 1980s. Our invitation to contributors and participants, in our invitation to contributors and participants, we were keen to elicit a range of responses to Labena's work across different generations and practices. Throughout the study day, the conversation kept coming back to the possibilities of flux, of attracting and repelling, of how material qualities of a work can simultaneously draw you in and push you away. And the highlight of the day, which you've seen in some of the images, was the close reading of a series of works that she did in 2002 called Inside the Visible. She brought with her 24 of the 100 small abstract works and raw linen that had formed her site-specific installation at the St. Jorgen's Museum, a former leprosy hospital in Bergen. The intimacy of handling the work was a privilege, being able to hold and feel and absorb and engage both the, both the senses and the emotions. Touching the works enhanced their emotional resonance and we encountered a sense of community through touch and the rhythm of the canvases. And the label suggested voices in different registers, some whispered, some more determined. So you'll see here images from the public programme that Innova devised for the places here. So this is episode two, which is looking ahead whilst looking behind. So the programme explored the ideas around history as a fragile construction, where lessons of the past, present and future have collapsed one into the other. And by focusing artistic practice, this collision of time and space attempted provocatively to reset what is known and how we come to know it. So history lessons, burning an illusion, which was the first part, which was looking at archival material, was a two-part workshop and a film screening of Menelik Shabazz's Burning an Illusion, a film from 1981. The two-part workshop introduced a selected overview and participatory review of the visual art practices, independent publishing initiatives, and specialist archives promoting and discussing the work of established British artists of African, Caribbean, and South Asian descent. I realize my slides are a little bit back to front because this is the live performance, which I'm going to talk about in a moment. Um, so these artists had actively set about challenging institutional and cultural hegemony. Working with a group of young archivists, the GLC Story and the Patchwork Archivists, curator Adelaide Bannerman established a starting point for the discussion by posing questions to participants reviewing the artworks and materials from recent history to think about what happens in the transition between the post and the neo-diaspora. So the neo-diaspora is a term that's being used amongst a younger generation of artists who feel... I suppose, disassociated with this idea of diaspora, or they want to kind of <coughs> interrogate what it might mean to their own practices. Adelaide also wanted to think about where the translocal was located. How does one interpret significantly shared or divergent points of views in emergent art, writing, publishing, and archival <coughs> practices? So this is the live programme, 
Um, it was called History Lessons, Fluid Record, which comprised two performances by Labita Clayton and Larry Achimpong. And it was curated in collaboration with Something Human Curatorial Collective. So the questions posed here were, how are memories and meanings collected and preserved in transition? When departure, resettlement, assimilation across vast distances fragment any sense of continuity or materials which are lost or destroyed. The performances took their cue from the idea that the archive can be fluid and transposed into living people who bear witness, thereby willfully constructing and passing on meaning in the historical present. Here, in these works, the artist becomes personal archivist of transitory collective and personal meanings. Again, this time traveling between past, present and future. So using scat sound and sculpture installation, the Beta Clayton and Larry Achimpong deal with the cosmological, with time travel, with this idea of futurity. And they delve into a space where histories are fractured, incomplete and amorphous. So in these episodes, there's been a dismantling, I hope, an abandoning of certain discourses while an embracing of others to try and give space to this idea of, that we're trying to circumnavigate, which is the after, and operating between the cracks, which try to explore new types of connectivity and manipulate what we know to be the past and present and what we hope for in the future. Thank you. Straight into the film. Okay. <clears throat> Can I? So for those of you um, who uh, don't know me, I've um, worked previously um, mostly in education. So when people talk about the educational turn, I just need to put the internet. Is that okay? Um, I often, and especially I have to say um, uh, from the curatorial field, when I hear this notion of... Uh, Sorry, I'm going to try and do two things at the same time, which is a little bit impossible, but... <laughs> okay, so this is... Okay, so when I talk... When people talk about the educational turn, I often ask the question, where is that turn happening? Like, is that turn happening within education? Is it happening within the field of making exhibitions? Is it happening within the academies? So um, I always, I guess... In a, in a way, question, where are those notions coming from? So I've just um, finished working uh, on Documenta 14 um, as the head of education. And um, we actually decided to change uh, the, the name of the education department to an education. Um, and the reason for that was, um, and I'm interested to hear actually what that if there is a resonance of that here in the UK, um, we were very much concerned with the notion of unlearning. Mm -hmm. And that's why we chose this notion of um, an education, meaning um, not just to use education as the place in which we would 
um, critique or um, ask the difficult questions, but also to interrogate this term education, what does it actually mean? Um, and I think the other thing that I think was important to do was not only to interrogate what does education mean, but also to think about our own education and the education of artists. So in interrogating our own education, I think one of the things that we quickly discovered is that um, in terms of what is considered, whether this is at a um, primary level or a tertiary level, a university level, there is a notion of what is to be taught, and there is a notion of those things which you are never taught. In the case for me, I was brought up in southeast London, um, and I can't tell you the amount of times we talked about the First and the Second World War. Um, and it wasn't actually until probably, well, in my university education that where I had the opportunity to look historically at, um, for example, something as ancient as the Benin Kingdom mm. um, and looking at what was happening in the 1600s, in the 1700s in West Africa in terms of a tradition of um, the the kind of artisanal and um, artistic skill and ability and how that's passed on. Um, and then you have also this question of, well, how is it that there are these objects in the British Museum? Actually, at the time when I used to go and look, it was the Museum of Mankind. It used to be behind uh, where the Royal um, Academy is now. And um, I used to look at these uh, objects in this museum and actually the story of how they came to be there was not um, really told. They told you about what those objects maybe were, but they didn't tell you about what that relationship between um, why these objects were now in the context in which I could see them in London. So um, for me, I think uh, thinking about where this, this educational turn, like riffing from what you've said, George, I think we have to think, where is that turn taking place? Where is it happening? And I also think turning, but turning to what? Mm. <laughs> um, I think the other uh, element for me very much has been recognising that uh, Documenta as a project, um, you know, of course, the space of the exhibition is extremely important, but it also brings an opportunity for a translation of... Um, discussion of discourse of dialogue um, also within the local context um, I think what I want to really kind of um, maybe address today is this space that is created between artists uh, artwork and the public because um, for the artists I think it's extremely important I had a discussion with um, Ottobong Nakanga, who sends her love to everyone, especially <laughs> you two. And, um, and I was asking her what would be the model, actually, that she would have liked to have been invited into. Um, Ottobong, in her project, Carved to Flow, actually encompassed education, public program, and uh, her, her body of work. And it was incredible to see, because... I was like, Ottobong, you don't need me. <laughs> you know, I have a role to play here as education, but she actually created within her project all of those elements. 
And she said to me, you know, as an artist, I would have liked to have been invited four years before the exhibition. And I thought, wow, that's a, quite a period of time. They were invited about a year and a, and a half uh, in advance. And I want to have the opportunity not only to think about my work in the context in which it's situated, but also the relationship to the other artists. And I think something that we forget very much in the education of artists is that um, after this kind of maybe formal structure of, of, uh, of art school, there are very few spaces actually for artists to come together. And I'm involved in, at the moment in, in such a program. It's a post-academic um, institution which has just been rel relatively recently set up at the Basis for Actuelle Kunst in Utrecht, where artists are um, actually given a stipend and over a period of 10 months, we have a periods of one to two weeks where we can come together, talk about practice in an engaged and informed way which is not necessarily... Um, not necessarily about an education as such, but one which is a space of, um, of sharing, critique, questioning, dialogue, which I think is extremely important for artists. And I think it's something that institutions really also have a responsibility to think about. But, and with big projects like this, I found that the opportunity that I had was to bring together a number of artist-led institutions that were... Um, experimenting with uh, forms of education, but not only that, also thinking about the library, not as a space which is just uh, primarily a, a holder of books, but thinking about how to activate that knowledge, not um, just within the art circle, but how those spaces connect with community. Um, thinking about how the institution unravels itself, uh, so that it doesn't just create a kind of esoteric language that only speaks to itself. Um, and also dealing with, um, uh, let's say, notions of like, uh, how do we put um, something else in the centre? So if we think about the canon, how can we put in, um, indigenous thinking in the centre? And what does that actually mean? So for, um, I'm showing you this picture here because... This was the start of our conference. Um, and the, in the form of the conference, I thought if I want to challenge and critique what education is as a conference, I have to challenge the form in which it takes place. Mm. So um, because I was interested in this notion of non-hierarchy, we brought together... Um, and this session um, uh, is, we looked at the, the formation of a circle. We started off as the formation of a circle. And we walked from the Fridicianum, which is the main uh, site of uh, Documenta, to the art school. And we were asked to keep this formation of a circle all the way to the um, art school. Um, and... We exercised our bodies, we moved our bodies, and I think this for me is extremely important, not just, um, uh, not just to think about uh, privileging one aspect, but to think about how when we learn, we actually embody those knowledges. And those knowledges are not just about a cerebral knowledge, and this is what happens, I think, for me, 
very much in academic institutions, there is a sense of, let's say, regurgitating knowledge. And I want to really start to, uh, let's say, take different uh, methodologies and, and approaches to thinking about how we embody knowledge and how we exercise it, how we share it, how we distribute it. So I'm going to stop there, but I think I've put out enough challenges, and I hope we have an interesting conversation. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. Okay, um, that's, a, that's a, a kind of um, the first performance. Think of uh, the first performance in which there are a number of shows going, in which we tried to provoke each other and you into setting off a conversation. Um, and some, some aspects of the after, some aspects about the educational, some aspects about the public, some aspects about thinking with thinkers. You know, as a, I, I, I often, think, of, I often think, of, think I've developed a sentence on to discover, I think Stuart must have whispered it, in my mm. ear somewhere. <laughs> and uh, that essay about the end of the museum, eh, I almost sometimes say, I, with respect to my South African friends, the end of South Africa, you know? And I, I love that end, the ending of. I want to go back there, not to caricature South Africa, but rather to, to open it, yes? So when I'm saying putting, thinking Africa, I don't mean, and rightly so, as Elvira puts a squeeze on it, I don't mean a preoccupation with it. I'm interested in its, its insignification, following Stuart again. Mm. Yeah? And there's an interesting, there is a, a book that's just come out called Race, Nation and Ethnicity, one of, by Stuart Hall. There is an introduction in there by Corbin Amesa on the question of signification, on the why that question refuses to disappear mm. even when we say KHR. Yeah? So that's the, that's the double I would do to it. Um, the second remark I want to pick up on the, 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 the turn the to education, this turn. Now, those of you of a, of a certain generation, as old as me, remember what adult education used to be like. Or we used to work for ILIA, Inner London Education Authority. We used to literally <laughs> run programs in the park like that. They disappeared because they came under attack. Yes, that is the disappearance of the public that I was talking about. Yes, I wasn't talking about that it is not possible to reconfigure, to rethink in a different way. I was simply paying attention to the histories that has produced our present. The third is to, is to again, from what Melanie just beautifully done, is to think about the kind of actual practice of different forms of organizing learning or unlearning. Yeah? I almost wanted to play Lauren Hill miseducation stuff. I wanted to think of the unlearning. The unlearning one is to do in order to see. Yeah? In order to see. Yeah? So, so, so in, in those kind of like, uh, if you like, riffs, yes, you, we, there is a kind of conversation we're trying to have, mm -hmm. well, which is not a manifesto. It, it's saying, look, we, we think there is something going on. We don't quite know yet, but these are sort of synthets of which it might, it might engender, right? Mm -hmm. um, so I don't know whether that allows us to sort of throw it out there or to want to come back or uh, reply to one another. Um, and so on, which way? Which we shall play? Shall we just put it out there? Uh, 
we can we, we, uh, I, I guess we have to have a music. I mean I think one thing I just wanted mm. to add to the, the notion of the post um, mm -hmm. and the notion of the thing that is left mm -hmm. is that we are often working within damaged epistemes, right? Mm -hmm. Right, mm -hmm. right. And I so there's the notion of the ruin which is something that you either have to decide to try to eradicate or to build upon. Mm. And, um, and in this notion of unlearning, it's not to say that you get rid of, that you forget. No. Mm -mm. It's not to say that you erase. It's more to, to address what needs to be learned. Mm. And that's, for me... And, and I guess, like, following what you're saying, is not taking for granted the knowledge that has already been produced. Mm. And, and perhaps the knowledge that has been produced but is not visible. Mm. One of the key issues of uh, platforms that are trying to challenge, for example, what you were saying, I found extremely provocative and, um, and on point because one of the things that you need to do in order to challenge a paradigm is not only to acknowledge its um, ruins mm. or its damages, Mm. But also challenge the paradigm itself, mm. trying to... And I think we have been surrounded by artists, by agents of all kinds that are trying to do that, mm. to provoke changes by not only uh, rewriting history, mm. but challenging history itself, mm. what has been the elements that have been excluded or included and why. Mm. And that's, as you were saying, no? where this turn is happening, mm. right? Where these changes are happening, where we want that futurity to take place. Mm. And I think it has to be in this, in this space, which is very complex. I think when I, when I was asking for stopping the, you know, the question of Africa, and, and this has been a... Not, I won't say it's something that I go back and forth all the time. I continue to ask the question myself. Mm. But again, I think it resists interpretation, and in, in, in its own, and is right, uh, rightfully so. Um, I think there is a need to go beyond mm. the, the the knowledge we know. Your unlearning to me uh, remind me uh, one of the earliest projects that I did almost um, fifteen years ago. Uh, what he says, uh, what we tried to, um, it was of course on, 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 uh, on identity. I was working with artists in South Africa, a generation post apartheid. Uh, and the idea was that we needed to erase what people knew about these artists in order to engage with the artist itself, in order to engage with the world, in order to avoid a pre entered interpretation of who they were mm. and of who the work was. And my claim for certain sophistication, a way of doing, that we know we deal with. It's not about us. We mm. know we deal with that. Mm. What I'm trying to have is a, is a conversation that is more severe, more rigorous, somewhere else, mm. to create a platform that produces that beyond the, the, the area uh, where the expertise is already known, mm. uh, to allow for... Uh, more informal platform mm. of knowledge production to race mm. to the level to these others where have been always at the center of the canon or have been in the inception of the canon are now. Mm. I want us to be able to do a show that takes on, I don't know, uh, disobedience that have at the center uh, the complaints of kids in South Africa that cannot go 
home because their hair uh, is, uh, is blown away. And that is the key to understand, I don't know, the first revolution or the first anthropophagia movement uh, in 1930s in Brazil. Mm. I want a, a, a sense of time that doesn't take the usual, typical uh, uh, landmark that we are used to mm. in order to explain the story we are. Mm. that we belong to. So uh, it's also that is, that is a process of a learning that I think I'm, I'm most drawn to. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know how much else there is to say after that. I suppose just one comment, thinking about the work that we did with the Black Artists and Modernism Project and specifically on Labena's study day, was that I think there is a, there's a tendency to kind of work from that deficit model about mm -hmm. what's absent, what's missing, um, what needs to be recuperated. And it's a, it is a dangerous space to occupy. It's almost that dangerous space where you're talking about, about breaking down what Africa is. You know, we mm. get lost and trapped in that space. And what we need to be conscious of it, almost give it a name and recognise it as some sort of health warning to the mm. project that we're undertaking but really then think about how we're talking about the work, as you say, going back to <coughs> basics almost in the way in which um, art history has helped us to do that kind of in the past. Yeah. I was having a, um, a conversation recently actually with Lavena and she was saying that one of the things that she felt was necessary wasn't necessarily this breaking down of art history, but breaking down the history of art history mm -hmm. to understand the kind of the facets and the coordinates, how we, the route that we've taken to get there and eradicating them mm. almost or recognising, you know, what the barriers were. So I suppose that's my only comment to make in relation to that. But I, the, the question of unlearning, I think, is, is absolutely embedded in some of the, the programmes that we've been doing, particularly around the study days. Mm. Now, now that you say about the history of our, the history of history, history. of our, of, of history of our history, mm. I was thinking, um, recently an artist was talking about how much attention they play to the sense of uh, the history of caring, right? Mm. And, and caring in a particular way, you know? And I thought that, I mean, again, and I think uh, here, Koyo does, does a lot, you do so, also in terms of education, we turn to artists, no? you were uh, talking about Autobahn, no? how we turn to artists, because in a way, in many respects, the education came for the aesthetic place of the ritual in, uh, in Africa for that, like certain rituals, not necessarily uh, rituals that had to do with belief, but also like domestic ritual, the everyday experience, etc. And how important the role of the artists that I think are better equipped than anybody else, not even the, the historians, to address um, um, history, but also the future uh, in a way that perhaps others doesn't have. No? Um, I, think, I think it's very important to think in terms of like, the, the futurity, the potential of all of that, to yeah. turn to uh, people that can help us to, to think beyond um, the canonical form. Do, 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 maybe, maybe I want to invite you to join in in the concert of the ensemble. Any, any, any comments, questions, remarks you want to make? <laughs> Um, 
thank you so much. Um, I'm, I'm interested in how you translate these methodologies of self-determination, if I can call them that, uh, into the donor space or the formal education space um, and how we might be able to infiltrate those um, both within the artistic form, as, as Georgia said, but also outside, especially in the UK where there's now the excellence ref and the impact for researchers that are turning to artists to validate research and not allowing them to be conversationists as such. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's important. Let me come to you this one. You know, I, I'm fascinated with what I call La Peru. You know, I nick things here and put them somewhere else. You know, I, 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 I got involved in cultural studies as a way of doing politics. I didn't, I didn't go to it. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't begin my, my relationship with cultural studies from a cultural studies degree. Yeah, I didn't get to it that way. It was a way of doing politics. And it sort of became fashionable that way. Eh? There was something at stake, okay? So it, one, has to, one has to figure out the place you occupy to do the activism, the methodology you're describing. Yeah. We are working at the moment in conditions in which we, we're hanging on to a disappearing world with our teeth. Yeah? The, the humanities department doesn't exist anymore. Right? It, it, it's there. And it's being disappeared by that metallic language of excellent report and so on. That's the nature of what's going on. So in a way, we've returned back to A, learning from the histories that produced our presence in order to find new forms that enable us to live together again. So that's a, that's a I'm sorry, it's a tricky one, eh? but it, it's to do with uh, reclaiming the political and politics. Eh? It's, it's reclaiming the, what is at stake, the importance of the historical in the here now. Okay, <clears throat> NGOs are non-government organizations. They are answerable to their funders. They are not answerable to you. Okay? Eh? But they don't know everything. <laughs> they don't, they think, I mean, they think they know it, but they don't. The question for us, we think, we think the right is made up of stupid people. Big mistake. Those people know about sociology of knowledge big time. The question is, can you match it? Or can you project a completely alternative world or kind of planet in which you want to live in? In which, you know, so we are in that moment in which on one hand, we're trying to create different sites of learning. That's what I mean by the educational term. Uh, I just wanted to say, also trying to bring things to the local context, uh, I think your question is extremely important, not only for what we're discussing here in relation to African art or, um, or African knowledge. I think it's extremely important to name new epistemologies. I think it's important to bring to the formal um, education um, or the for sort of institution of formal education uh, Structures that allow for a different um, approach to education, a structure that allow for a different source of knowledge, right? Bringing uh, um, knowledge production uh, that have been produced uh, outside of the of Western uh, hegemony and, and culture, um, and try to also, uh, while you address a context, try to see the sources of that context specifically, no? Um, and, and do that through 
um, through the formulation of new fields. No? Uh, 11 years ago, when uh, visual culture was set at a goal, means that was, uh, as, as some of my colleagues put it, no? that was um, uh, a need to engage with our history in a different manner. Uh, for people that was disenchanted with what they're doing uh, as artists, thinkers, or art historians, right? And, and that was a formula. We need to find those formula also within the context of an institution like INIVA, how INIVA can reflect on, on yourself. You, you say beautifully what you did with the documenta, right? That exactly is a way of bringing into a formal setting uh, a different structure. The way that one can deal with that and ref is still to be to be to be seen, right? Because I think is this is a question that all the universities are are going through, particular departments are going through, uh, particular departments linked to uh, humanities, as you were saying, are going through. No? And I think it's it's, it's very it's, it's very important, but it's very difficult to respond. My my. Uh, the, the way that I can address it is, is also the way I also do it in the classroom, right? When you bring uh, many case studies and examples that are not the usual uh, to refer to a specific topic that, you know, can, can you talk about the, the, the Second World War uh, or the First World War um, using as a reference the soldiers that were part of it, how, how the soldiers of the colonies were uh, uh, sort of like push to defend nations uh, that they didn't even, uh, that, that they, for which they were not even considered citizens of. These kind of things, right? How can one change the paradigm in order to see the event, the historical moment we already know from a different perspective, from the narrative of a different agent? How one can do that? And, and, and for me, that, no, what, what is the response to the question I'm raising? is the way that one then addresses the knowledge. Mm -hmm. mm. I mean, I think your question is also about how do you create effects now? Like, mm. And I think within any institution, um, I think you absolutely have to be strategic. Because I think initially I would, when I was sort of younger and working with the institution and I wanted to create change, you know, sometimes I would be like a, almost like a child, like, but why is it like this? You know, you're asking these kinds of questions, but that doesn't really bring me anywhere. And I realize you actually have to totally be strategic to find alignment with people who also, you know, agree with you. And you have to kind of make this like more like a movement with sometimes within your institution and be willing and prepared to ask the difficult questions. Mm -hmm. That's the thing. Mm -hmm. I think sometimes, I think we've all been sat in these meetings where maybe some thing in your head is like... That's the unlearning bit. Yeah. <laughs> That's the unlearning Yeah, and sometimes, like, you know, be prepared to make this challenge. Like, but why are we doing... Like, even to ask the question, why are we doing it like mm -hmm. this? I mean, I've, many places I've worked with, they, they say, well, this is how we've always done it. Mm -hmm. And then when you say, oh, so how long has that been? And sometimes it's like two years. <laughs> I'm sorry, we can change that. So I feel like this... Um, this modality, and I, I mean, I was just speaking with a young curator who was <laughs> challenging me again with this notion of, like, you have to think bigger than what, you're, what you believe you're limited to. You, and I, I was like, oh, come on, with this again, you know. It's like, <laughs> no, it's like you cannot, you can't make one step unless you can think beyond that one step. So if you're just going to accept the limitations of which you're working in, well, good luck, but you're not going to progress any further. Mm. So st strategy, I would say. And I suppose that, um, that idea of strategy 
happens through a number of collaborations and allegiances. You know, you mm -hmm. can't yeah. do this by yourself. Mm -hmm. And I think you were you were saying that. Are you are you in a university? Do you do you teach? Or are you a student? Yeah, I'm, I'm just at the LSE in international development as okay. a curator. Mm -hmm. so. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I think certainly within art schools, I think there are many who would say there's a crisis. And that's to do, and I'm going to use a shorthand here, which I don't particularly like, which is around diversity, mm. which is um, an acknowledged challenge, but there isn't a sense of how to, to manage it. Mm. Um, and I think black artists and modernism, even though I'm not directly connected with the project, but I've had, obviously, close affiliation with it, I think what they're trying to do is challenge the curriculum to develop different interventions within the existing um, body of knowledge or hegemony within the kind of the art school sort of pedagogy. Um, and I think Innova has a role to play in terms of its library. Mm. And you mm. were pointing to that as well. You know, our library is not just a repository for books. It's where knowledge is potentially generated. Mm. And uh, reading groups as, as kind of intimate and... Um, I suppose malleable as they might be, you're not really sure what the outcome might be, but that's a, certainly a place to start in terms of thinking about how shifts might take place within the academy by organisations thinking about how they might be useful and in that usefulness thinking about how they might unravel their previous structure. Mm. Um, yes, that's it. Okay. Hi, thank you. Um, I recently went to a conference in South Korea, in Seoul, and it was called. It was a conference about. It was called After Globalization Welding, yes. and what, what and After Globalization Welding, yeah. Making of Worlds. And I think what was interesting about the conference. Many things were interesting about the conference. One was the sort of indifference to the West. Right, mm -hmm. the West is in crisis. It's in a mess in lots of ways. And the conference did not ignore the West, but it decentered it deeply mm -hmm. as a site. So what, one of the questions is about location, mm -hmm. about where we have these conversations, mm -hmm. and the materiality of having them in Africa as opposed to having them here. Mm -hmm. and, and the conference is also about a certain different history of the planet, mm -hmm. the planetary, which kind of then locates in, into the ecological, different ways of thinking about humans and humanity and the spiritual and those questions linked it to kind of Bandung and, and a dialogue in mm -hmm. relation to the global south. Mm -hmm. So I suppose it's about thinking about how one kind of the after maybe a different after if you ask it from a different place. Yeah. Right? So I was just kind of maybe a reflection mm -hmm. on that, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. No, no, I, I think Thank you're you. absolutely right. I mean, I think uh, what we're having, we're, even if we're having the conversation here, the conversation that we are having it is embedded in that um, transcultural, transtemporal, or, or let's say a multiple temporalities conversation that occurs in the global south. No? The only thing is that because we're here in London, it refers to certain institutions and paradigms that are, are set here. But definitely, I agree with you entirely that um, it is about also location, where one locates oneself, and, and from which, um, from which locality are we thinking is projected to, no? and towards what? But it's, but it's exactly, exactly that. Mm -hmm. 
Do, do, do. Yeah. Yes, you're quiet, <laughs> please. <laughs> yeah. Where is the thing?
built on the claim. They thought they were in India. It just got lost somewhere. You know, it, it, it thought, you know, the idea, you know, the idea that the West is, is not, it's the histories that have produced the notion of location. So the politics of location is a serious affair. It is not rightly so a question about the geographic because the histories, geographies are produced by histories, right? So in, in that sense, what is, it's, it's, I use the policy of location, I, I put it under erasure, yeah, in the Derrida sense, yeah? because I don't yet have anything to say that replaces that thinking about the importance of location. That is to say the ideas that drive, are driving our times. So we're now beginning to think of a decentering. I think of the former West, yes, yeah? mm. ending in that way. And, and yet at the same time from this city. I say to people, I have an address in London. I live all over the place. Mm. I have an address. And it's interesting when I say that. Of course, I live in this city. But I have an address in this city. I have an address in Harare. You know? I mean, now that you invoke the, the, the centralization, of course, we can think about Glissant. There are many ways in which location have been disarticulated. I don't think we need to go through that. But it's true, as, as I was saying before, and, and it was uh, emphasized by Koyo. No? And, but following what you're saying, no? the conversations we're having and are in a different state of mind, in a different uh, place, is a different intellectual setting already established. Uh, going to the first question, no? like the intellectual space in which that is uh, occurring produces an knowledge that is radically different. We need to give it platform within the formal structures. Sorry. Yeah. Hello, my name's Rovian and I'm a freelance museum educator specializing in African art, contemporary African art and black British art. And um, here we're speaking almost to the converted, but my problem is, is that we're trying to set up um, a black art history course and um, we've had very little take up and it might have to be abandoned because um, talking about location in the mental state for me I find the dare I say the black community out there has still got a very colonized mind they don't know that they don't know that they don't know about their own black British history and uh, so we need the curriculum in the uh, and it's Black History Month, so I'm quite busy this month, but not the other 11 months. Um, so, uh, so, you know, it, we're still very, very far behind, both at primary school, secondary school, uh, the curriculum, and you said that the art schools are in crisis. And it's, I find it very depressing in 2017 that I can't find um, an attraction to a course which says, how did African art influence... Um, primitivist modernism and there's no take up and we're in London which is meant to be a multicultural city I find it very very depressing Can I just say one thing though is that the title of your course? Yeah, one of my titles Okay, it's just um, I don't know I mean, okay uh, <laughs> uh, so one thing I want to say is around language mm. And, um, like, it took a while. F when I said to my parents that I wanted to do a curating course, um, <laughs> let's just say it took a while for my mum to be able to explain what I was doing, right? And, <coughs> and, um, and I think it's, it, we have to be aware of the language that we are using and when we are addressing a public or we're trying to have a conversation with let's say I don't know who, what kind of public you're you're trying to generate but 
I think we have to be aware of the language that we've maybe become really accustomed to because we mm -hmm. work within it. But actually, in the everyday, like, primitivism isn't a word used every day. Mm. Modernism actually isn't a word used every day. The that will remain nameless said that if we said African art, they said that's too out there. So yes, when I when we said African art, contemporary African art, the the college said you've got to couch it, you've got to put Picasso in there. But that's a that's a brown I'm just come back to. I've been I've been through that circle many many times in the 40 years of my teaching life. And it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's on one level, I would love to see a course that's called Black Art History, whatever that means. Yeah. And yet, almost immediately, I want to quarrel with the very meaning of yeah. art history. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Okay. And, 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 and it's a kind of, it's a kind of, it's a kind of, I mean, number of departments are closing down where good work was going on. Can you remember there used to be women's studies centers in universities? Mm. There isn't one anymore. It's not because feminism is one. You know, they just died. <laughs> you want to understand? Now, and I need sometimes we need to pay attention to that history mm -hmm. to understand why it's not attracting new students. It's not people don't know. No. Yeah? It's just not true people don't know. Okay? Mm -hmm. What has become the body of work called black studies in this country grew out of community centers, in youth clubs, in the park, in the pubs, you know? In, and so sometimes if black youth hadn't gone on the rampage, Pros that word, in 1982, I would not have found a, made a career in the academy. You know, there is, these questions need to be thought of, thought of relationally. Yeah? They need to be thought in relation to other things that are going on at the same time. So, like you said. No, no, I, I, I just was thinking. No, and, I'm going to finish on that. Oh, on that. sorry, sorry. Yeah, you you <laughs> say, I, you, I that was a line for me. Was, I don't know where it's coming. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> And we yes. have to wrap up. We don't wrap up. I want to wrap up by saying, <laughs> I want to wrap up the concept by saying, by saying the, 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 the moment in which one thinks a program of learning is also a moment of difficulty. Right. It is not as easy as it looks, just as much as we've been trying to say. It, 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 it sort of looks okay, and yet at the same time it isn't. So, so I think it's, it's to do with the double move you do. It matters to create the spaces and to fight for them, mm. activism. It's also at the same time important to figure out what's going on in those programs. So that's, a, that's a, if you like, the kind of conversation that we've been trying to have. I'm afraid we're running out of time. And uh, thank you very much uh, for, um, for being um, <laughs> such a wonderful audience. My fellow panelists, thank you very much. Call you again. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. <laughs>